following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So I want to tell a story, and it's kind of a personal story, and you know, some of you know me, I get a little emotional, and it's just going to happen, so I'll just let you know. So anyway, the personal story is this. So um, I, have, I have two grandfathers. Now, they're not, they're not with me right now. They're with Jesus, and so that creates emotion just by itself. But I have two grandfathers, my mom's dad and my dad's dad. And my mom's dad, we're, he's Fred. That's Grandpa Fred, right? You need to know Grandpa Fred. And then my dad's dad is Granddad Paul. So I call him Grandpa and Granddad. That's how that worked, right? And so, and so what's really interesting is they were both from very different places, very different backgrounds, very different cultures, very different faith traditions. And what's also really interesting is both of them had tremendous impacts on my life. Okay? And I'm telling you this not because I want you to know my grandpa and my granddad so much as I want you to think about the people who have had impacts on your life, the people who have had, had tremendous formation and, and, and helped shape who you are because you, you, I know each one of you have those people. And sometimes they might be people you're very close to and sometimes they might not even be someone you like, but they impact you, right? They help you, they do something to you. Some of you that are a little younger are like, yeah, I'm sitting next to them and they're driving me crazy or whatever. You know, you, you feel that sometimes. And, and what's really interesting is, 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 so I grew up in this context of having two grandfathers from very different backgrounds, and my grandpa Fred, he grew up Lutheran. And well, he didn't really grow up Lutheran, it was brought into his family after they immigrated. And so I, I think he, he kind of grew up that way, but so then he brought that tradition into our family. My granddad Paul, he grew up not Lutheran, and you know, a little bit of Pentecostal, a little bit of Baptist, just whatever was passing through town, right? But they both love Jesus, okay? And what was really interesting is when my granddad, who did not grow up Lutheran, would come to church with us in the Lutheran church, and he'd be like, I don't even know how to sing these songs. They don't, they don't have any rhythm to them. Meanwhile, Grandpa Fred's like, what's your problem? You know, this is just the songs. This is, what, this is what we do. You know, God gave us these songs. You know, it's great. And what was interesting is, is that that caused me to have sort of this, I don't know, for lack of a word, bipolar spirituality. Because, because I, was like, I, was like, I was like, I love the rock, the solid rock of our faith tradition. It's so good. And, and, and you, a lot of you guys grew up in different faith traditions. You can look back and say, our faith tradition is awesome. There's good stuff. And then there's this other side, which is just like, but I was like, but I want my granddad to be able to sing the songs, right? How do we do this? How do you navigate this? And what's really interesting, if we pray, your kingdom come to the Lord God Almighty, then what we're praying is that His kingdom would be here. And I don't know if you knew this, but His kingdom transcends faith traditions. Did you know that? You know, there was this one moment when I was at seminary where one of my professors, who is a very solid Lutheran professor, if you love Paul Robbie's a great guy, and we're in the middle of something, and he goes, just news alert, news update, Jesus wasn't a Lutheran. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of my classmates were, like, shocked by this, you know. And me, I was like, oh, really? Isn't that interesting? And he wasn't a Baptist, and he wasn't a Methodist, and he wasn't a Pentecostal. He's the Lord, right? And it's us who struggle with all those other things because we're broken. And see, this is the thing I want you guys to see. When we pray, your kingdom, let it be here. 
What we're praying for is that people, no matter where they're from, no matter where, how they grew up, no matter whether they were raised in your faith tradition or raised in somebody else's faith tradition, would be welcomed and would be receiving of the good news of Jesus. So somebody asked me, because um, I was with um, some Lutherans this week, and so that's always dangerous for me. And so... Um, and they were pastors, no less, and so it was really dangerous. And they were like, so tell me, like, what's, what's the deal behind your church? Because your church is different. And I'm like, well, I think the thing is, and I said, I'm just going to summarize it like this. I want to have a church where both my granddads can come to. Do you follow what I'm saying? I want, I want a church that doesn't, doesn't get rid of all of our faith tradition. No way. Not one little bit of it. In fact, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but we actually bring it out more than I've ever seen it done. And then I also want a place where my granddad can tap his toe and, and keep the beat. I want him to hear the grace of God once again. And what's really interesting is there's a little more to these stories. And we, we have to talk about this because I mentioned you guys have people in your lives who have been really formative to you. One of the things that was really interesting is my granddad and his family didn't go to church that much. So you might be saying heathens, pagans, you know, a bunch of sinners, right? But what most people didn't know is the reason why he stopped, their family stopped going to church. His wife, her mom, was married to a World War I veteran. And he was impacted by the chemicals, the mustard gas and stuff used in World War I. And when he came home, they couldn't be together. It just didn't work. He was sick. And so you know what they did in like the 1920s or whatever it was? They got a divorce. And you know what happened to their family? They were shunned. They were not extended the grace of God. And so you know what that does to a family? A lot of you are sitting here, yep, I know what it does to a family. You were formed by that. You were impacted by that. And see, when we pray, your kingdom come, some people pray, they're like, kingdom come means like everyone's going to be perfect. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where people are welcomed. I could talk to you about all the parables that Jesus talked about. He, like one where in Matthew chapter 20, we did this at the grind last night, and he's, he's, tell, he's telling the story about how the people who were hired at dawn and the people who were hired at midday and then the people who were hired five minutes before quitting time. And at the end of the day, the landowner of the vineyard goes out and he pays them each the same amount. And the people who worked all day were like, that ain't fair. And the people who were just there a few minutes were like, it's pretty good if you ask me. <laughs> Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. If you think that the kingdom of God is where all the righteous people gather, then you're probably, this isn't going to be a fun experience for you. If you think the kingdom of God, if you want the kingdom of God to be a place where somebody can show up at quitting time and still receive the full reward, oh, like we better dive in, guys. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now, we're going to zoom in on some of these words. I'll, we'll put them all on the screen so we can do that. But now, when, now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near through your good works. Oh wait, it doesn't say that, does it? You who were far away have been brought, brought near because you never got a divorce. Oh wait, it doesn't say that. You who were far away have been brought near because you had clean living. And may I just say to you, there's a theological word for that. It's called hogwash. It's bull hockey, right? We can say that, right? It, in Greek, you'd say skubalon. I'll let you figure out what that is. We have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. Not your blood, not my blood, His blood. 
the blood of the Son of the Most High, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father. He saved you and He saved me because He loves us, because He loves you. That is why He did what He did, and that is what we pray for when we say, Your kingdom come. May it be so here. May your kingdom flourish here where the doors are open. And we're not about building walls. We're about tearing them down. We, we told the joke yesterday. We had our groundbreaking service over at our new construction site. We were talking about this in Bible study this morning, but you need to hear it because a lot of you weren't here. We were telling the story that um, Ron Jett had, had brought it to my attention. That he goes, Mark, what kind of building are we building anyway? And I'm like, why do you ask that? Because there's a sign in the driveway that says massage. You know, how do you, what do you think about that, right? And, and so the question was, should we take the sign down? And I'm like, well, the people who put it up don't know that we're coming. They have no idea that we're going to build a building here that is going to be not the church. Because remember, we're not talking about the church. It's going to be the center where we gather and we pray for God's kingdom and we actually live his kingdom. We be the church. We aren't going to church, right? And what did Jesus say that the church would do? Oh, my goodness, we were bringing people who were far away we bring them near through the blood of jesus so the question was should we take the sign down and i'm like well how would you feel if you put a sign up and somebody just went and took it down what would that make you feel it's not love it's like yeah but we're not doing massages and I, I, I get that. i get that i get that we loved our neighbor right leave the sign up right that's what we do now i think one of the people snuck out there and took it down anyway but they put it back up so it was okay it's the kingdom here and, it, and I understand. Do we want to send a message to the world that we do massages? No. But we sure love the people who do. Do you track with me? We want a place where both of my granddads would be welcome, where both of your granddads would be welcome, where the massage people, the spa people, they're welcome. All people are welcome because we're brought near not through what we do. We're brought near through what Jesus does and has done and will yet do. Look at verse 14. Why? Why? How is this even possible? Because he himself is our peace. Now the word peace there is kind of one of those words. You've got to take a minute. This is the word in, in Greek. It's hey, Rene. But in, in Hebrew, which is Paul would have kind of grown up with the Hebrew definition, is shalom. Now shalom is not just absence of conflict. It's the restoration of that which was broken. So you might say, well, Mark, if your neighbor's doing something that's wrong, we can't be a party to that. And I would like, well, that's true, but how do we go about with the restoration? How do we turn it around? Do we turn it around by bursting in and tearing stuff down? No. We do it through love. Faith expressing itself through love. This is what we do because Jesus himself is our peace. And I want you guys to know that the Lord God Most High, the Son of Man, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, lives in your body. This is the promise of God for you and for me. And he has made the two one. The two people, the us and the them. He's made them one. By how did he do it? He tore down the wall. And I know in our culture, the wall, that word has a lot of meaning right now. And, this, and it was so funny because we were, I was planning this sermon months ago, and then today or this week I was kind of reviewing it. And then I'm like, you know, in the context of our current news cycle, this might be sound like I'm trying to be political. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But then wait a minute, what does it say? We're talking about the kingdom of God. This is a very political sermon, just not in the way that the news cycle would want us to be. I don't, I mean, I, it's 
my business is not with walls between us and Mexico. My business is with walls between us and who's sitting right next to us. You track with me? Do you track with me? And if you live on the border of Mexico, then that is a much more pertinent issue. But for us here in Missouri, all I know is if a Mexican or a Swede or an Arab or anybody else or that dude down the street who never takes out his trash right, we love them. And we tear down the dividing wall of hostility. And guys, we can't do it on our own. We pray to the Lord Jesus Christ by His Spirit for His help. Take a look at verse 15. How does He do it? By abolishing... Uh-oh. This is probably going to mess with you a little bit. It messes with me. How does He do it? By abolishing the law. What? You mean that law that says thou shalt and thou shalt not? Yeah, that's the law. That one. He abolished it? But aren't we still supposed to keep the law? We're actually supposed to love our neighbor, which fulfills the law. Didn't know if you caught that. He fulfilled the law. When they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. They don't know. So if we're ever in a situation where they don't know, what should we do? Do you see how this works? It's not about laws. It's not about rules. It's about people. It's about human beings who have stories. And when you don't know, people didn't know why my granddad didn't go to church. They didn't know the story behind it. They didn't know how a whole family was impacted by people being religious, by hypocrites, saying that they were righteous and people who didn't do it right were not righteous. And they also didn't know the story of my grandpa Fred, who was saying, we need to follow Jesus, and this this is a pretty good way to follow Jesus. It's a pretty good way because we're, we're being saturated in His Word and the vibrance and the rich tradition of all the things that that means. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But man, let's welcome all the people. Let's welcome both stories. Let's welcome both stories no matter what. By abolishing the law with its commandments and its regulations because the purpose is not that we would do everything right. Oh, and for those of us who grew up in my faith tradition, we don't like to hear that. Because we've been taught the only way to do it is to do everything right. And now what I'm trying to say is that the Scripture says the only way to do it is to trust in the blood of Jesus. So maybe it's not about doing things right. Maybe it's about joining Jesus in His mission, which is to create in Himself one new humanity. A humanity where people love each other regardless of what they look like, sound like, act like, or are like. Right? This is the This is the gospel. The good news. Because here's the thing. If I told you, let's just try it out. If you have not committed these sins, then you are welcome in our midst. And then I create a list that is basically what I don't do. You make that, you see that? So like if I am a heterosexual white male who generally doesn't mess it up too bad, then I'm going to say anyone who does things worse than me or you know, who might be a homosexual or who might be this or who might be that or who might be this other thing, whatever I want to... F- Whatever the, whatever the sins that I don't commit, those are the ones who aren't welcome. That's what most of us grew up experiencing in church. Now, am I saying that God's Word doesn't say that all those things are wrong? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this is the purpose of Jesus. To create in Himself one new humanity according to His Word, according to His design. And that our job is not to judge people. That's His job. Our job is to love. And let His Spirit work through His Word, which will go into people's hearts who are struggling with all kinds of sins, like this one is, and will continue to cause Him to repent and invite you to repent with me. And then in that repentance, somehow, some way, this waterfall of grace starts to splash onto other people. 
Do you see how this works? Do you see how the power of the Gospel works to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus creating peace? Now, am I the... Just so we're all clear, you might say, oh, Mark, that was a great, great sermon. How would you handle it like it, Tuesday afternoon when you drove out and one of those other new humans that's supposed to be made one cut you off in traffic? And I would respond with, you know, the one-finger salute or something like that. No, I wouldn't, but I would want to. And Jesus said if you want to, it kind of is the same thing as if you did. So what we do is we don't focus on the law, which says thou shalt not. We focus on what Jesus did. Father, forgive me because I don't know what I'm doing. And help me also forgive them because they don't either. Take a look at verse 16. And he says, and in this one body, how many bodies? To reconcile. Reconcile means that which is broken is mended back together. To reconcile both of them, whether they were, whether they were on the, the religious side and they grew up with all the right traditions and they have all the right doctrines and all those things which are very, very important. No, at no time does Paul say those doctrines and those traditions of the Scriptures are not important. But he wants both of them, those who had those things and those who don't, to be reconciled. How? How are they reconciled? How are they reconciled? Through Jesus. Through the cross. Through what He did by fulfilling the law with all of its commands and regulations. He's the only human who actually fulfilled them. He did them. He fulfilled the law. And He set us free saying, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. This is what Jesus said. I will give you rest. I will take the big burden. You take the light burden. What is the light burden? Trust me. Go with me. Love your neighbor. That's it. And so He says, He put to death the hostility. So the, the hostility, the actual source of the conflict has been put to death on the cross. And he continues in verse 19 because here's the key. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. It's who you are. It's not what you do. Do you hear that? It's who you are, not what you do that defines you. You are members of God's household. I want you to think about what that would mean on Tuesday afternoon. You know, when you're in the drive-thru and the Starbucks, is real, they're really backed up and, they're, and you're just like, what's your problem, people? Our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> your kingdom come. Right? Right? That's what it is. Why we pray it. Jesus said, this is how you pray. Because He knew we were going to struggle. He knew we were going to be broken and it's going to be messy. People are like, what's church like? I'm like, it's messy. That's what it should be. Because people are here. If you want a nice, clean church, there will be very few people there. And there's a lot of them around the landscape, and they're all about to close. And everybody's like, oh, the church is in decline. What's it going to happen? And, and trust me, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. This is Jesus' church. It'll be, the church will be fine. People will be fine. But what we've got to do is we've got to keep praying, your kingdom come. And then we've got to keep telling people who they are. You're members of God's household. His oikenos. It's this Greek word. It's because in their culture, the way you did things is they didn't have like, they didn't have like, you know, SUVs and things. So what you did is you like worked together to handle all the, the details. And you would have in a household, you would have all kinds of people who are not related to each other. And they would live together to make life work. Did you hear what I just said? They would live together to make life work. That's what a church does. That's what you and I do, and that's what we're praying for 
when we say your kingdom come. Verse 20. It's built on the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's like saying the New Testament and the Old Testament. Same thing. With Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. You see how this works. He is the center of the Scripture. The way that we interpret and understand and grow in it. And that leads us to verse 21 where He says, in Him, that is in Jesus, the whole building for a church getting ready to build a building. This is kind of pertinent information. Um, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And finally, verse 22. In Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Whether you're at praise and worship or your home congregation, because we've got a lot of guests with us, my prayer is that when you pray, your kingdom come, Lord. Thy kingdom come, however, whichever language you use. That your prayer would be that your church, your home, your neighborhood would be a place that welcomes people no matter what their stories are, no matter what their faith tradition is, no matter what their religious history is, whether they believe in God or not. And my prayer is that you would do this not based on your abilities, not based on my abilities, but on the power of God given to us by His Spirit through His Word. And His Word says this to you and to me. He loves you. He loves them. He loves us. Let's pray about that. Father, we ask You right now to fill our hearts with this truth, the truth of the good news. No matter our history, no matter our record, we're set free. Set free in Jesus. His purpose was to create one new humanity with no dividing wall of hostility. And I pray that in our midst, you would tear down that wall. That you would let us always be a place where we welcome both the Freds and the Pauls into our midst, whether they're staunchly Lutheran or they don't know what any of that means. They just know Jesus. That we would always welcome them in. Always welcome anyone in, regardless of what they look like or feel like to us. Because we pray, Lord Jesus, that your kingdom would come here. And we pray in your mighty name, you who live and reign with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.